bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Mac Weldon and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. In their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash nemesis. The guy who is not currently on fire. Which is more than I can say for the rest of our state. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I'm currently still locked in the DC fandom. Um, oh, wow. There's no doors. It's it's miracle. <laughs> um, it is weird that they made individual domes for all the fans. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I, I entered mine. I didn't get to see anything. Um, I'm just stuck in this dome. I guess that's why uh, they call it the, the fan dome and not the fans dome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Each person gets their own dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. We got fandom to talk about. There's a lot of fandoming, uh, a lot of video game news. Huge news, in fact. Uh, and we got games to talk. Uh, it's going to be a massive episode and I'm super excited. I am doubly excited because we have a fantastic guest to talk all about all of this stuff with us. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week I am so excited because DLC stands for defining the live stream career. Because when I think of live streaming, I think of Jesse Cox and Jesse Cox is with us here today. Jesse, what's up? Oh, I'm so happy you did not go with downloading Cox. I was so well. Two I'm reasons. So happy that was not where we went. I was like, I'm, Oh no, here we go. This is it. It was. It was. It was. It was sitting there right for me, and I thought, A, you've probably heard that way enough in your life. And no, second, not enough. I could hear it more. <laughs> well, it's a family show, you know. It's a family show, so we pride ourselves on uh, not having a double entendre. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's my last name. It I is. Can't help it, it is. Well, Sorry, down- families. Downloadable Cox is uh, is is officially what we've just switched it to. Uh, Jesse, I'm so excited to talk to you, man. We got so much to get to. Let's dive right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out there, sharing stories, talking about the show, all kinds of great stuff. But Jesse, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Can we just get to it and talk about the fandom? Because we already started and so much came out of that. Yeah, that it's been on my mind the last uh, 48 hours that I just. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's really dive in there, anymore. Obviously, lots of uh, lots of movie news, a cool new movie trailer. But let's talk about the video game stuff. 
we got two games that we all have known have been in the works for a while. We've all been anxiously anticipating um, the uh, the Montreal WB Montreal Batman game that has been teased and teased and teased. And then, of course, the Rocksteady DC Universe game that we've all been speculating about. I think the last three or four E3s, Christian and I both predicted it would be revealed at E3. No, no, no. It was at DC Fandom, which is, uh, you know, I guess what E3 has become these days is our these uh, bespoke little uh, publisher-specific events. But, Jesse, I want to know, where should we start? Which of these two games, Gotham Knights or Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, uh, you, are you more more excited about? I don't know. They both got me in different ways. Uh, I saw Suicide Squad and was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And uh, for Gotham Knights, I had sort of like, nice, nice. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. They both really hit exactly where I needed them to, even though it was only trailers. And we didn't really see much. I didn't. I think we did see some gameplay of Gotham Knights as uh, Batgirl. Yeah. I think we saw some of that. But. Man, I, I I don't know where to start. Let's start with uh, uh, Suicide Squad. Why not? All right, yeah. It's topical. So, Su- Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. We we had uh, talked on the show a while back about how that title seems to have leaked. There was uh, URLs purchased. It, it it didn't really surprise that it was going to be a Suicide Squad game. I think the surprise was for me the biggest surprise was the. 2022 at the end of the uh coming right. soon uh <laughs> as for a game that has been in development we imagine as long as this one has again uh, multiple years now we've all hoped that rocksteady's new game would be announced and i assumed that the reason we hadn't heard about it is because they were going to pull you know one of these uh bethesdas where they announce a game and you know three months later it, it's available to purchase well, that's wrong. Uh, this game is not coming until 2022, which I guess I appreciate the honesty or the uh, the uh, the realization of, of the situation, the upfront with the audienceness of it. Um, but it is a full on CG trailer we saw with uh, a lot of the characters that are going to be in the upcoming Suicide Squad sequel, and an evil Superman uh, who straight up murders a dude. Uh, so what did you? What was your feeling about the the trailer reveal, Jesse? I uh, loved it from the moment it did the whole fingers walking. Because the beginning, I was like, "What is this? Is Harley Quinn on some Alpha Squad thing?" I was like, "Oh no, girl, going for pizza!" And I was I was excited <laughs> about the whole reveal. Uh, all it did was remind me, for some reason, I unabashedly love Captain Boomerang, and I can't figure out why. <laughs> As a character, he's the dumbest character in all of any comic booking but oh my god i love him i love yeah. the whole premise i was like king shark excited about that um <laughs> and dead shots there too which is great because that's gonna be fun i'm more excited about the fact that i cannot play it with three other friends which was unexpected i did yeah. not see that coming so I'm, that's i'm a big fan of co-op getting with your friends and just like murdering and in this case superman which will be unique right yeah, I guess. And it says Justice League. So I think Superman is only one of, I'm assuming, the the Justice League that we'll be taking down. But um, yeah, I you know, I don't know if I'm, I need another Superman is evil storyline, but it certainly looks like the fun and the irreverence here is going to be uh, on 11, which 
you know, for Rocksteady, which is which has kind of done the super serious Batman stuff so far, there's not much humor in those games. I'm excited to see what they do with a humorous IP, with a, uh, a an irreverent take. And judging from this reveal trailer, I think the the tone is just right for that property. I, I'm kind of excited about it. But again, two full years at least until this game is out. It just is there any part of you, Jesse, that just feels like this is a little too early to even be getting excited? Uh, you know, as a person who gets excited for things like cyberpunk and you saw the first trailer, uh, five years ago or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I think it's, it's nice to be out in the, you know, the ether and have it out there. To be, I, I'm excited for things like that. I do have a question for you though, about Superman. Yeah. It always bugs me. And maybe this is just Superman as a character. What do you think about this? How come every time they want to make Superman interesting, they make him evil? Does that say something about who Superman is? is he, I don't know. I yes, might get roasted by comic fans on this, but it always no. upsets me that most of the time when they want to make Superman interesting, they're like, oh, he's bad now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely onto something. And it, it is a problem with the character. And I think it's because it's hard to find uh, it's hard to find friction points for drama with a character that is perfect. Right. And that's the that's the whole idea of Superman. That's why. Batman is such a juicy character for writers to tackle because he's got problems, you know, he's got issues and issues create drama. It's hard to have the perfect guy who has a power for every potential need, who is the Boy Scout in all respects. The I think the natural inclination there is, hey, he's the most potent force on the face of the planet. Wouldn't that be scary if he wasn't fighting for our side? And I think that's the natural place to go is how do you stop the thing that is unstoppable? And I think that's what's the question that this video game is going to be posing is how does a man who, I mean, that's really what, how the, the trailer ended is how does a man who throws a boomerang at you fight Superman, right? And I think that's a fun problem to solve. It just, like you said, it's become a little bit trite now to turn superman into evil superman so i mean we saw the movie we saw uh, snyder's movie do it we've seen numerous comic books do it um yeah i i like I li- for me the the i love superman and for me the the fun of superman is how do you create a guy who only wants to do good things and put him in a situation where he can't do all the good things right how, he has to make a choice between doing two very, very good things. And then it's like, okay, well, how does Superman play God? And I think that's an interesting take that I enjoy in my Superman stories, but it's kind of a decoration. Christian Spicer, what did you think of the, uh, of the trailer reveal for Suicide Squad? Kill the Justice League. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic animated short. Like, I think they got the vibe of the characters right. It had a really playful tone. It had some um you know the internet is it's calling it uh or i guess boiling it down to like sunset overdrive style vibes i don't disagree with that um but there's a playfulness to it right and it's bright which the other rocksteady games were not very bright well yeah we haven't Um, mentioned yet that it's set in metropolis it's not not gotham city which i think is a pretty big deal right there so that's 
So I have a couple of thoughts. One, uh, I'm excited that they said that you could play the whole game single player. I also like yeah. the, like the fact that you can, it seems like, drop in, drop out up to four players. And then also if you're playing single player, you can bounce between which character you're controlling. That sounds very exciting. I hope the AI is up to it when you are kind of playing by yourself and it's not, you know, Captain Boomerang standing in a corner <laughs> or something. You're like, oh, the boomerang. But I guess that would be on brand for him just to, <laughs> to not do what you want. Um, and then this is just pure speculation. And I'll have this part again for Gotham Knights. I feel like they were working on a Superman game, right? And like they built Metropolis, they had Superman and it just didn't work. And then this was the pivot to this like there's so much time be- for both of these studios between their last game and this game and and their or their these games i should say and 2022 is very far away and that's without a potential delay you know later they didn't say when in 2022 but i feel like there were other things that rocksteady was kicking around that just didn't happen we saw that for sucker punch with um what was that? It was kind of like the Victorian steampunk kind of looking trailer that yeah. came out that was between infamous um, Second Son and Ghost of Tsushima. So I feel like something else was going on with Rocksteady in my gut with all of these like Superman game leaks and stuff like that is that this is part of it. And now they've incorporated it into this. My what's happening in the game plot guess is like Brainiac, right? Like Brainiac somehow made Superman bad. and. I don't well, I feel, I feel like it's going to be all of this Justice League bad, right? It's got to be all of the ju- either that or Superman's bad, and the Justice League is protecting him somehow. I don't know. Um, yeah, but also but, we know how you beat him. You yeah, put, get all that kryptonite in your gloves. Like that's it. That's all you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be it's going to be thirty hours of searching for kryptonite in the city, and then uh, you know a thirty minute boss fight at the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. <laughs> I trust Rocksteady. I'm very excited. Yeah. It uh, the, just the idea of seeing them do a bright, colorful metropolis instead of Gotham city has me excited because I've, I've had my fill of the, the dark nighttime stuff from them. I, I, I'm excited for just a new palette for them to be working with. And this trailer certainly showed a lot of that. Um, and as much as I, for me, if, if your theory is true, Christian, which it very may, may very well be, it makes a lot of sense. Who knows? We're speculating of course, but the the thing that bums me out about it is that what it feels like is that they tried to make a Superman game and they fell back to, we got to make it dark and gritty. And the way we make it dark and gritty is Superman's bad. And we're playing a bunch of antiheroes. And I, that just bums me out that like, you can't make a marketable, enjoyable game. That's kind of about a wholesome upstanding boy scout hero. Uh, but that's just kind of, kind of my own disposition and I mean, feeling like, you can, and it was you think you Spider-Man. can, but it was Spider-Man on the PS4. They knocked a good it point. out of the park. <laughs> good point. Great point. Great point. Um, all right. Well, so let's move on to Gotham Knights, which is the game that's coming sooner, but still not that soon. Uh, this is a 2021 game. So my estimation is that it's likely fall 2021. So again, more than a year away, but Gotham Knights is the Batman game that's coming from uh montreal but it has no batman 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 dead uh and this is going to be the supporting characters uh taking up the mantle of batman batgirl nightwing red hood robin uh all the main characters in this game uh fighting uh, evidently at least part of the court of owls 
that was teased rather heavily. And then, uh, as Jesse mentioned, we did get to see actual gameplay. Um, so a part of a Mr. Freeze fight and uh, a Bat Batgirl doing some cool martial arts and fun uh, abilities. So Jesse, again, another game where you'll be able to play co-op, which is, I think, a, a really big deal in the, these kinds of games. Uh, what else did you take away from Gotham Knights? The the biggest takeaway that I saw was they talked about how as you play through the game, the more levels you accrue, the bosses, and I don't know if it's just the bosses, but at least the bosses level up with you and gain yeah. new abilities and new tactics to fight you. So, of course, yeah. I was like, well, then why? What if I could just boss rush everyone and try and do them at level one and see what it made me think of a lot of fun things so i don't know i like that yeah it's a cool concept and it seemed like in the in the footage they showed the enemies all had levels next to their health bar um um you know feature on them uh so i wonder if it's it is like a almost like a open world rpg where you know, like a Bethesda open world RPG where the, the world is leveling up as you level up and the bad guys, maybe there's pockets of bad guys that don't and you can go and own them at later levels or something. But yeah, that's, that's a really cool concept. They were very specific about mentioning that it's not just more HP or more damage, that the bosses actually have new techniques when you fight them later. So yeah, it's like, who, uh, who do you want to fight early and who do you want to fight late? Is a really interesting strategic layer if it is truly open world like that that most games don't really tackle, which is a really cool concept. Um, yeah. Uh, Christian, is this the, I mean, you've been literally every time we get any tease from WB Montreal, it's your story of the week. So is this the game you were hoping for? I know you're a huge fan of the Arkham series. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think this looks, I think this looks great. I do think it's interesting that Rocksteady made the point to say that their game is the continuation of the Arkham universe. Um, and this WB Montreal game seems not to be, um, like their version of Alfred looks different. And, um, but then again, the Rocksteady game, they made, um, Deadshot, uh, black like he is in the cinematic universe now on in some comics as well but unlike well, I think, in the, in the first I think maybe, games sorry go ahead when the first arkham games he wasn't like they had the character there already yeah um, but it seems, it seems to me the easy explanation for that is batman's dead <laughs> like you can't be the continuation of the universe if you ever want to make a batman game again <laughs> you know? is he though well, there's well, no, he? yeah there's no way batman's dead there's no way well, okay. I guess you I guess you guys make a good point that Batman's probably going to show up at the end and you'll play a level at the end of Batman and it'll be amazing. And it'll be like the the blue gravity gun at the end of of uh Half-Life or something where it's like just Batman's awesome. Um but yeah. it also could be a cool like Elseworlds thing where, you know, in this game Batman's dead and then next game it's a Batman game again, you know. Yeah, but I'm super excited for it. I I like the look that um, the BB Montreal is taking. I liked Origins. It launched uh, a little broken, but I think when it got patched and fixed, I, I really enjoyed the game that they made there. And I love the aesthetic that they're kind of showing here. I like um, Barbara. You know, there's a lot of yellow, it looks like, on versions of her outfit as Batgirl. And I'm excited to see kind of, it, it looks to me, like this is kind of the Arkham game meets Assassin's Creed Odyssey in terms of characters leveling with you and enemies leveling. The new enemies having new moves is, I, I think, interesting and maybe an evolution of kind of that 
Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey approach. But it, it, it seems it seems fun. It seems cool. I think the pre-alpha gameplay, while a little framey, showed the style of combat that I want to see. And I think for me, the biggest thing for both of these games, having now just wrapped the, the last weekend of the Avengers beta, is both of these games look like what I wish the Avengers game was. Yeah. And and that's the I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, wait, there's a game uh, kicking the pants. <laughs> yeah. But again, these games are 18 months to yes. three years off. <laughs> you know, it's yes, it's not uh, it's not new. It's not coming soon and it's not probably not coming to current gen stuff. Uh, so there's a benefit of that that they get. Yeah. And then I like the fact, again, that I can play it solo or. Or it looks like two-player co-op only, and it looks like they're opening things up where I will be able to gear up my character and have it reflect on how my character looks. You know, the, the yeah. partner they showed early is very different than the one they showed in gameplay. The only thing, and I think you and I kind of texted about it, the only thing that bumped me about the uh, Gotham Knights reveal is I found the dialogue not to fit the situation in which it would happen. Like I like the playfulness yeah. of it, but I don't think. Like a huge thing explodes and Barbara falls through it and is in the middle of like this huge fight. And I don't think her character is the type that goes, oh, I I meant to do that if anyone asks. Like it felt weird in the moment. Yeah, the the whole tone of the voiceover direction seemed off to me. I mean, you you talk about that moment. The fact that they literally moments before were like, there's dead people in here. They're all frozen. And then it's like quips, hilarious quips. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of dead civilians all around i'm not sure i feel comfortable with you know that girl just quipping away i don't know it seems uh it just seems yeah, they really disconnected <laughs> did you just fart <laughs> yeah all right don't tell anyone i did that <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah so lots of excitement from the fandom but i i have to admit i was very surprised the fandom happened uh in part because there was going to be a WB E3 presentation. And if both of these are that far off, I'm just surprised that they were going to do, it was going to be their first, uh, you know, sort of E3 keynote. It just seems odd to me that they picked a year when these are that far away and there's nothing sooner for them to hype up. But I guess, you know, people are anticipating these games. I'm anticipating these games. So there's lots of excitement to look forward to in coming years. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I mean, I don't have a lot more to add to it, but to me, the story of the week is still Apple versus Epic. And I, I, there's some stuff I can add. I mean, like I personally, my analysis hasn't really changed. I did read um, some of the Apple emails and court filings, but the big top we're flying over the forest um, view is Apple has now fired back. They <laughs> kind of threatened to kick Epic and Unreal off of their platforms entirely. Um, which is is a pretty big, um, I hate to use the word retaliatory per se, because it can have a, a legal definition to it, but a pretty big move on Apple's part. And then Apple has said that Epic did in fact ask for special treatment for Fortnite. And Epic is like, no, no, we, we didn't. Tim Sweeney, um, I believe is the one who said like, we didn't do that. And then we saw emails come out. And then I think it was just this weekend, uh, maybe it was Friday, like Microsoft entered the fray and filed their own brief in support of Epic. 
And it, it seems like they're taking this as their moment of like, yeah, we want we want Game Pass on iOS too. Like, you yeah. know, you have these other companies throwing throwing their rocks at the Apple hitting two trillion dollar valuation glass house, and it, it fascinates me. This, this whole story fascinates me. Yeah, this is huge news, and we talked about it last week. Um, I don't know. Uh, clearly, <laughs> my analogy, some folks on our subreddit did a great job of p- poking holes in my very admittedly, admittedly very flawed analogy uh, last week. And I appreciate the folks in the in the subreddit that did that. I don't know. It feels like a little above my pay grade to kind of understand the legal stuff. I know, Christian, you're you've got the legal stuff on on lockdown, but I. uh I don't know who's in the right here. Jesse, do you have any sense of that? Do you have any, any, anyone you're rooting for in this uh, two Goliaths fighting in each this other? this fight? Uh, I feel like Ken Watanabe and Godzilla. I'm like, let them fight. I, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. could, I have no horse in this race. I, it's, it's watching mega corporations fight each other over things that are essentially still just taking our money. So I'm really just like, yeah, yeah. whatever, let's see where this lands. But at the end of the day, it, it truly all it does is affect how much money they get from us <laughs> right. when really we're still giving money away, R- really. Yeah, it's funny because Epic tries to portray themselves as fighting for the end user but it's really not true. They're like, you know, yeah, if we could, uh, we, we would pay and pass those savings on to you if only they would let us. And you're like, nah, I don't, <laughs> I don't really that see that. Not happening. what you would do at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That's not what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange thing, but I think it's going to have a huge ripple effect and huge ramifications for how games are sold and on what devices we can play things. And it, all of it feels really, I feel like <laughs> the end user ultimately loses no matter what right there's no there's no universe in which we all come out and go well that worked out in our favor (laughs) you know uh curious how they define platforms and and stuff like that too like again uh i say again i don't know if i've said this on last week or uh this show yet but oftentimes in my opinion no longer allowed to give legal opinions uh (laughs) inactive law licensed opinions Uh, (laughs) courts look for the easy way out Right. So if there's some technicality, I hate to even call it that, but some easier thing that isn't deciding this on the big merits that we want it to be decided on. It's like, well, actually, it's Wednesday. And everybody's like, what? And the court's like, we did it. (laughs) It's Wednesday. That's the we've been talking about Wednesdays for hundreds of years. Today's Wednesday. We don't decide this. And you're like, oh, well, it's Wednesday. And then they move on. But I think there's potential if if they do tackle this and it doesn't settle or whatever, and we get these big issues, like, does it then broaden in a way that I get to put my game on Facebook or on on, uh, Snapchat games? Like, that's not a phone, it's not a device, but it's their platform. And are they allowed to keep things off of it or charge a certain rate? Like, as we broaden that definition, and I think Apple itself moves away from product and more towards services, it becomes, I think, really nebulous where let's say there is, they already have um, Apple Music on some TVs, like bundled on some TVs, the way Netflix is kind of bundled on TVs. If they had like an Apple Games, and not Apple Arcade, but like a version of the App Store that was bundled on not their devices, does that change the analysis of this at all? So then does Apple set up a subcorp that's like, 
Apple phones LLC that creates the devices, but then their software or something else, is that an in round that, that solves this air quote problem? I don't think we're going to get to that stuff, but to me, uh, you know, looking from the outside in, that I think is is what I find the most fascinating. In the same year in which now movie studios are allowed to own movie theaters again, you know, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> this weird shifting of like you can't do that. Uh, okay, you can do that. Mm, you can't do that. To be fair, if we have a Senate hearing on this, I'm going to spend the whole my five minutes asking about spam emails because I don't understand your platform. Right? At all. Yeah. It's yeah. so wild. It's so wild. It is very wild. And and the the step of, well, in retaliation, Apple's not even going to let any uh, Unreal Engine stuff on their platform just feels like, whoa, that's the nuclear option in this situation where it's like, that affects a whole lot of developers. It affects the the, the battle between Unity and, and Unreal. And it, it just a huge play on millions of devices in people's hands, the devices that I use. It, it's how this all shakes out, I think is going to define gaming on devices over the next five years. And it's going to be really interesting. It's it, like you said, Christian, I don't necessarily trust the people that'll be making these decisions to even understand <laughs> what they're deciding. Uh, you know, usually judges bone up on this stuff pretty, pretty well, but you never know if this becomes a, as you said, it becomes a lawmaking issue, then uh, all bets are off because the lawmakers have no clue about what, how any of this works. I so. think that is where it needs to go is is ultimately regulatory in some form or fashion. And and my gut, if I had to bet, is that this case will either settle in some weird way and we'll never get to learn about it or they will find, I'm obviously being very cheeky and stupid, but like some it's Wednesday style argument where it's doesn't talk about any of the actual things that we find juicy, but some small law allows this, that to happen. And then they kind of punt it for another day. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot more as it develops and goes to court. If it goes to court. Um, all right. There's a lot of, of other stories that I could pick. Uh, this is a big juicy week of stories, but for my story of the week, I'm going with my heart and I'm going with the fact that, uh, this just became, just came on my radar. I think it's been happening a little while, but I was not aware of it. Summer games done quick had a speed run for Half-Life Alex, which of course is a game that I love dearly, but I'd never seen anybody speed run it before. And holy smokes, has it completely blown my mind. <laughs> uh, I've said for a long time on this show that, that I think that when VR becomes much more widespread and you get real esports in VR and you can actually see the physicality of how people play these games in VR, that esports is going to hit another tier because I think just human beings like watching other human beings do things that are physically impressive. And as much as I love esports and I love watching people do things that are amazing in video games because I understand how hard it is to do certain things in video games, the average person who doesn't play video games understands how hard it is to dunk a basketball. And watching a dunk is just inherently captivating as a human being. And I think VR is going to get to that for video games. It's just going to be inherently fascinating to watch somebody in VR do something physically impressive. And I think exhibit A for that is speedrunner Buffett time at Summer Games Done Quick this week, who did a speedrun in Half-Life Alex 
his time was 22 minutes, 31 seconds. It's only the fourth fastest on record. But in order to accomplish it, he glitched the game out. Speedrunners do that stuff all the time in all kinds of games. But the way he glitched the game out is by messing with like height settings and diving on the ground and rolling around and running. It is incredible to watch. Jesse, did you get a chance to see any of this? It's amazing. It, it really <laughs> is amazing to watch. It, it's we as people in the gaming community spend a lot of time trying to justify to the rest of the world that <laughs> gaming is something that at its highest level is an incredible skill that requires a lot of work and effort and is up there with professional sports. We spend a lot of time doing that. But until you see a dude jumping around like a crazy person <laughs> doing VR stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is somehow even more impressive. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, this is this is amazing. Yeah, when you watch it, it's the craziest thing you'll see. It's amazing. It's so wild that his body has to be the thing that breaks the game. Like he physically breaks the game <laughs> to, to, to skip certain parts, to go faster during certain sections. It's so crazy. And Christian Spicer, as somebody who had uh, nausea problems with Half-Life Alex, just the pure fact that this guy can do this and not just be constantly puking, <laughs> it seems to me worth your uh, tip of the hat. Oh, no, totally. I mean, I'm surprised that this is your story of the week. When I played Half-Life Alex, and I played just like this, by the way, <laughs> you said I was, air quote, playing it wrong. And now it's cool to talk about. But when I do it, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is incredible. And I do, I would love to see, I mean, like I always like a lot of the games done quick, and sometimes we do get this, but like the BTS of like, yeah, how many? There are so many variables. I feel like in VR games, it, do you you know? Do you start in a field and just be like, if I just walk left, like I in real life walk left for an hour, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and like someone's threading a cable, like keep going, keep going, because in uh, older, smaller, and now in bigger 3D games too, it is a bigger, arduous task. But it is like I'm going to press this level everywhere I can to see where I can glitch, to see where I can find this thing, sharing secrets, everybody collaborating. Like I spent, you know, 50 hours just playing on this one little section of this one Mega Man game. And I found how to improve the time this little bit. And I doing that in VR, and uh, we've seen other VR, um, you know, feats uh, where they did push the limits of it. But this, I feel like is a great representation of the wild things that you can do in VR and how you can push games you know, past where they were meant to be played. Yeah. Yeah. The little window that they showed on the stream of him in his VR volume uh, is, is just, it's just riveting. You just see like the dude is working up a sweat and throwing himself around. It's, it's pretty wild. So if you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, I highly urge you to uh, Google the uh, Half-Life Alex speed run from Buffett time uh, or buffet time, maybe buffet time, buffet time. Uh, either way, it's it's remarkable, and I guarantee you will be uh, entertained <laughs> by it. All right, um, I do want to mention because before we move on, because uh, there was a, a Nintendo Indie World showcase this week. On top of everything else, uh, we don't have to go into every single game that was mentioned. There were, I think, fourteen new uh, titles, uh, indie titles announced coming to Switch, which. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we don't need to say it again, but let's say it again, how wonderful it is that the Switch has become the home of indie games. What a perfect marriage of platform and content. Um, but uh, Jesse, I wondered if there were any standouts in the games that were announced uh, during this week's Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Uh, of course, there were there were many. I want to say this because I say this every time I appear anywhere and I need to redeem myself. Long ago, I said, who needs the Switch? Who is this for? What is this? It's handheld, but it's also a console. That doesn't make any sense. Let me just say, once again, it is now the thing I play the most. And, and I love it. And the amount of indie games that are coming to it just makes me so happy. Um, obviously, Subnautica is, for me, the big one. For people yeah. who have not had a chance to play that, that game is... One part beautiful, one part extremely terrifying, especially <laughs> if you have a fear of the ocean. Oh, my God. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, Torchlight, Hades. Hades is an incredible game. If you have really to is. play that, you should check it out. It's very good. Yeah, and it'll be perfect for Steam as well. Um, whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of games Switch. that were announced and Switch. like put Switch. out. I mean, Switch, not Steam. Perfect for Switch. Did I say Steam? Yes. Sorry, uh, it's also on. It's, it's not on even on Steam, Steam already. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I saw it here as <laughs> yes. It is. It is perfect on Switch. Uh, perfect for Switch. A uh, bunch of games that are um, uh, were announced and put out uh, immediately as they were announced. Um, a short hike, which uh, Christian, I know you raved about, right? Yeah, it's it's incredible and also perfect on Switch. If you haven't played it, it you know won't take a lot of your time, but it's exquisite, and I think it's. I think I might have played that. Was it last year when it first came out on on PC? I, the world is worse, but the game is maybe better because of it. <laughs> it, it it's, yeah. it's a wonderful experience. Uh, any other standouts for you, Christian? I mean, I think for me, Hades is probably the biggest. Um, so good, so and then good. Manifold, Manifold Garden is a game that um, it, it felt weird as a stealth drop for me, but I, I like that game getting you know, broader exposure. It just, I don't know if it will get lost in the, we released 15 games today yeah. <laughs> that Nintendo gave it, but it's also very unique. Yeah. I'll be talking about that later in the playlist. Um, uh, yeah. You, you guys have mentioned the ones that I'm super excited for, but I'm definitely uh, intrigued by Raji and ancient Epic. The, uh, the game um, featuring um, Indian, culture and uh i think mythology uh looks really really cool i kind of want to check it out it's it came out the day of the announcement so I, I haven't checked it out yet but really really cool um yeah man just wonderful to see this switch being the place for indie games so didn't want to pass that up without mentioning the indie games showcase all right time to move on to the games that we have been playing but first i want to thank our first sponsor which is squarespace you know Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace for so long. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace, still going strong. I love Squarespace. I recommend it to all my friends and family. Whenever anybody is like, hey, you're the internet guy. Well, how do I make a website? I go, just go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and check it out. The tools are so easy to use. You just, you start with these templates that are created by world-class designers and then you just start dragging and dropping. It's so simple. It's all what you see is what you get. Visual. You don't need any coding experience and you don't need to hire somebody who will cost you a whole lot of money to design a website. You can you really can do it yourself. 
even if you want to do something complex, like make a storefront to sell things, they have e-commerce functionality. Simple. You just drag and drop it, put it in, turn your website into a storefront. Very, very simply. Uh, everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You have analytics at your disposal so you can grow your site. Uh, you have built-in search engine optimization. There's never anything ever that you need to upgrade or patch. That's all handled for you in the background. But if you ever run into any problems, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support. It's just fantastic. It really is for any reason. If you're blogging, if you're uh, if you run a real business and you want to have an ad on online, if you want to announce an event, anything, a special project, just a, a one-off quick thing that you need a website for, so simple, you can do it yourself. You can have a web presence so simply. So check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You get a free trial. You don't even need to put a credit card in. You can build your site, use their tools with no obligation. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. They have over 200 extensions for domains, so you can get your domain there too. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and that promo code Jeff sent me, all one word, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. All right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Jesse, I know you're always playing tons of stuff. What is on your playlist right now? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, this week, I, like much of the world, have fallen in love with Fall Guys, uh, <laughs> the most frustrating game that ever existed. I still don't have my crown. It's an embarrassment. Um, I'm terrible at it. I'm truly, I'm truly very bad at it. And Man, so me too. I continue to play and fail. Yeah. But you're having you're having joy in the failing or you just got, you you ha- you can't let yourself stop until you actually get a crown. Both of those things. I <laughs> have moments of when I, sometimes my failures are so epically hilarious that I can't help but laugh at them. And sometimes a random stranger I don't know pushes me off a cliff and prevents me from winning. And I get, you know, a little too upset, a little yeah. too upset. And so <laughs> <laughs> I have to sort of balance the two uh, because so far the only crown I have is the pity one they give you just for playing. So <laughs> the pity crown. Yeah. Uh, do you think that fall guys will have staying power? Do you think it's going to be a game? It feels like the game of the moment right now. Do you Absolutely. think that it will be playing? We'll be playing it a year from now, two years from now. It all depends on what they do with it. How many more new maps they add, new challenges they have. Um, where they right now, their PR and web presence is huge. Yeah, and the things they're doing on Twitter are amazing. Their Twitter team give them a raise. I remember it would have been two E threes ago, maybe playing this in the Devolver Digital lot and playing mm-hmm. it. Not once, not twice, but going back to it a third time. That's how much I enjoyed it. And I told the devs then, this thing is going to be huge. It's going to be really big because it has that Tetris 99 vibe to it. You don't really need to be talented. You don't really need to know what you're doing. And you can still somehow win unless you're me. And <laughs> it's it's fun to see the barrier of entry is very low. It's now up to them to take everything that they've got going for them and continue to work and run with it obviously there's going to be a drop off as new things come out, but I think they have the ability to keep a big audience there because it's so easy to get into. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there are those games that the concept itself 
it, it just is so purely fun that you go, why has nobody done this already? And then once you play it, you go, yeah, of course people are going to love this. Of course it's going to be huge. I mean, it feels like the the Rocket Leagues of the world or something, you know, where it's just like, yeah, of course. No. Why, why didn't anybody else think of this? And um, yeah, I hope this, I hope they find ways to continue to iterate and make it. I mean, I think one of the things that'll be fun is to, is what they're already doing, which is seeing them really go crazy on the skins and stuff and allow the personalization and, and stuff to strive for. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of that kind of IP skin uh, overlap that they'll do. Um, but yeah, I think that having new maps and having new kinds of challenges, because it, it really does feel like it's a, a, a format that doesn't need to stick to the, the kinds of things that it, there, there's enough variety in the game already that they can really just keep pushing the boundaries of that absolutely it, it's it's an online version of what was that show called most extreme elimination challenge or whatever yeah. that was <laughs> yeah wipe out, or or wipe out or yeah. all those different shows just come up with zany things that make it slightly fair to win but also you can lose for completely unfair reasons and keep <laughs> you coming back I, I, it, it seems like the only thing holding them back is their is the imagination they have, right? They right. they just need to have yeah. as much imagination as possible and good ideas. Bring in new people with new map ideas and keep it yeah. going. And yeah, that's really totally. it. Yeah, Christian, have you tried Fall Guys yet? I have not. I'm you know I've watched it. I've I have not personally consumed it, but I've I've seen a lot of it, and I think. I agree with both of you and what you're saying. I, I think it's key to longevity is to keep doing what it's doing. You know, <laughs> like they've come out of the gate swinging so well and so hard and it's not difficult to imagine um, them going full warrior wear, you know, like it, it can go anywhere at this point. And um, the bones that they've created for the type of fun possible i I, think. I don't think i don't think any of those characters have bones actually they're all boneless. <laughs> well they've certainly all broken all of their bones <laughs> the falling they've done but yeah. it's uh yeah it's well done and i think it's another example of um it was playstation plus free if i remember correct um yeah. like rocket league was and i don't know how much that tilted the scale of things but it, it shows that those services can still um, make a big impact, I think, in terms of uh, getting your game in front of people. Definitely. What else is on your playlist, Jesse? Okay, so I am a huge fan of meta games. Mm-hmm. The weirder, the better. I love them. Uh, there's a game that I just recently started playing called There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension. It <laughs> yeah, is... there's nothing that says meta more than a, a game called There Is No Game. <laughs> right, right. It was, I think it was originally for a game jam of some sort and then they made a full game and the whole premise is you sit down to play a game and the narrator in the game is essentially the game itself and is like uh don't play me and so the more you try to play the game the more it's like no thanks and so a bunch (laughs) of mini games happen uh where you have to you know fight with the load bar or find a way to find the start button or remove the title screen or change a desktop at one point, you go into an old point-and-click game in order to get out of an old. It's it's wild. Wow. It's very fun. Is it is it like all puzzles or is it like action sequences and and variety like that? I assume so. From what I've seen in videos of it online, there are multiple types of games that you go through, 
And I, I, I've seen one that kind of looks Zelda-y, but the main premise, as far as the first chapter goes, is it's kind of like puzzle solving. And then the second chapter is I'm in an old point-and-click Sherlock Holmes game. And Amazing. me and the narrator are trying to find our way out by breaking the fourth wall in an old point-and-click game. I'm it's looking at stuff fun. on Steam right now. It does look really, really clever. I love it. Uh, it's called There Is No Game Wrong Dimension. And uh, it's 13 bucks on Steam. So I'm buying it. Uh, it's, it's very clever. It's, it's, it's a good laugh. The entire game is fun. The, the, you have, like you said, you've been on this kick for a while. Um, Michelle Morrow was on our show and she mentioned a game that you turned her on onto. It was like a unicorn game. Pony Island. I love Pony it. Island. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that game was brilliant. It is a game that by the end of it, it's so meta. It has you messing with files on your computer. It, I love <laughs> those sorts of things. I think it's yeah. so good. Amazing. Uh, all right. There is no game wrong dimension and Pony Island. Um, and I know I saw you were streaming just, I think today and yesterday, uh, some final fantasy 14, right? Yeah. I don't know. They got me. I, for the longest time have avoided playing it. And, uh, I had a friend who was like, Hey, do you want to check it out with me? I'm I'm bored. I'm like, all right, here I am (laughs) still playing it. I don't know how I could recommend this game to anyone. I don't think I can. (laughs) It's crazy to me. Everyone who has ever played it is like, when you get to the first expansion, that's when it becomes really good. And this it's is not like just, you, you, this is the you've got to watch the entire first season uh, of video absolutely games. Absolutely, this is what this is. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just one or two people telling me that. It's literally every person tells me this, and then they say that's not even the best one. When you get to the newest <laughs> expansion, the newest expansion might be the best Final Fantasy story ever told. And I'm like, I find that dubious. They're like, No, it's true though. It's true. So I played through. The Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, which was the reboot of the original Final Fantasy XIV, which did not do well. Like right. it was, it was genuinely terrible. So they reboot the whole thing, made A Realm Reborn, and I played through it. And it just the story keeps going and going and going and going. And you think like, okay, I'm at the end, but you're not at the end. I'm like, okay. It took me four days to get through three patches worth of content. <laughs> it was so <laughs> much. I was like, I don't leveling was boring like i just don't know how i justify it but then at a certain point everything switched like a a, a flip a flip a switch flipped (laughs) and it suddenly became really enjoyable and really fun and out of nowhere i was like i think i care about this game and (laughs) is this is this stockholm syndrome or is this (laughs) i don't know i don't know but what really blew me away and this says a lot about the game is even though I struggled to get through that level one to 50 content. When I hit 50, the amount of people in the community who came out of nowhere to just be like, Hey, I can give you some advice. I can help you out with this. You need, what do you need to do was really impressive. And I've not seen that in a lot of MMOs. Cause a lot of the time it's sort of, here's how you have to play. Here's the build you need to make. And yeah. if you don't have this, we're not inviting you. This was right. sort of like, do whatever makes you happy and we'll be here to support you. And then when I went to go do the last mission of the main, you know, one to 50 content, so I can move on to the thing everyone tells me is amazing. Uh, as I went to go do that, I think I put a clip up on uh, Twitter. There was a whole group of people there, like waving me into the final quest turn in, <laughs> in character. <Wow. laughs> it was so sweet. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this community is really nice. 
And so, yeah, I totally bought in. So I think I'm, I'm in until at least the new content, what everyone says is the best thing ever made. And we'll see. I honestly don't know what to expect. And I'm, I'm really excited. And That's I can't, cool. it, it's kind of like when you had a conversation with people about death stranding. And <laughs> if you loved it, you're also just kind of like, I don't know that I can tell yeah. you to yeah. waste 50 hours of your life on this. That was me. But it yeah. really blew me away. I loved it, but I don't know that I could. Same thing. Exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Perfect. Perfect analogy. Because, uh, yeah, that's what me with Death Stranding is like, I'm not going to tell you to get it because I have no idea if you'll like it. But for me, I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, you have the exact same feeling when you're done. You're like, I loved the ending of Death Stranding. I was like, oh, my God. Kojima, I think, is a genius. But then I looked back and was like. I don't know that I can justify ever playing this again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, man, Christian, we've, we've had a number of people on the show talk about Final Fantasy 14 with such reverence. You know, everybody, people, it, it, to me, it really is a unique game in how people talk about it and how people revere it. And, and just the story of, of like what Jesse referenced of how it launched and was terrible and everyone agreed it was terrible and that didn't stop it. And now it is you know, it's, it, it was reborn and it has this new life. It's, it's kind of a unique product. I, I mean, a number of games have had that roller coaster, but I don't think to this extent. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to see more of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. That's the new, the new normal. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, anything else on your playlist, Jesse, or is that really what's keeping you going right now? I mean, right now that's the majority of it. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Carrion If you haven't played that game, yeah, so being cool. a terrible monster is the most fun you can ever have. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Yeah. One quick thing before I talk about uh, two games I've been playing and we didn't mention it and maybe we'll cover it again later. But as we talked about Rocksteady hype, uh, uh, I forgot to mention I'm aware of, uh, I don't have anything really to add, but of the allegations of, uh, working there um there are a couple of back and forths of letters that came out the one article in the guardian about an older letter from women working there and then another art letter that came out um i think rocksteady shared that they said they did not solicit from women that are still there um it's problematic uh, to me i think the biggest takeaway is still um the industry has a lot of problems and yeah conditions and i didn't want to have this episode and it literally just slipped my mind when we were which is bad it's i'm not saying that no no i think you're right to to, you're right to bring it up and we had it uh, here in our our breakdown of of stories and it is one that uh, the more stuff that came out to me it it felt like uh an example of the people who are least in the position to judge this is the public uh and all this is happening in public but it certainly seems like there's there was a lot of things going on internally and women who were um, weighing in internally and did not want this to be a public-facing issue. Uh, and then one woman who felt like she needed to make it a public-facing issue. So I I agree with you that I didn't want to... It would be, have been bad of us, and I'm glad you brought it up. It would have been bad of us to not mention it at all. But I also feel like I I don't know if I have all of the information necessary to really weigh in and i would hate to uh speak out of turn uh, as as this stuff is all happening in real time so yes yes you're right agree um the two games i've been playing i uh been playing a lot of miss pac-man i bought my first 
Uh, I say first because I, I know what the other one's going to be. Uh, but I bought my first arcade one up. I got the Miss Pac-Man countercade um, product of theirs, which is, you know, it sits on a counter or table or desk. It is not the three, I believe the others are three-fourth scale, like the Star Wars arcade, TMNT, stuff like that. It is not that full, air quote, full-size arcade cabinet. But this is Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus, Galaga, and Dig Dug 2, if I believe um but for me it was just miss pac-man miss pac-man in my opinion is the best pac-man did you Um, have you watched any of the high score documentary yet have either of you i have not the netflix show i have not yeah have you jesse no uh it's uh, it tonally i think it has some goofiness to it that i wish it didn't have but man i learned more about how miss pac-man was made than i ever knew before having lived through it i'm old enough to have lived through it but uh I had no idea how Ms. Pac-Man was made. It was literally like three dudes, three MIT dropout dudes. I think it was MIT. Maybe it was Harvard. Anyway, uh, three dudes who like sold boards that plugged into arcade machines and modded them. They were mod boards. And they literally like modded a bunch of Pac-Man boards to make the game more challenging. And then um, they had a lawsuit saying you can't do that. And they won the lawsuit and got higher than the the settlement of the loss. Well, they didn't win. They settled. But the settlement required them to come work for the company. So they made their mod board into an official version of Pac-Man called Ms. Pac-Man. I mean, I, yeah, I haven't watched it. I, I mean to. But that makes sense. What I like about Ms. Pac-Man, like listening to that, is it does seem like it, it, it is a mod, right? Like yeah. there are different levels. Um, the ghost pattern, uh, the AI is changed, so it's, they're more unpredictable. You can't memorize the ghost patterns the same way. The fruit doesn't just kind of show up. It bounces around, um, and it does feel like, hey, we took the logic of this game and tweaked it a little bit. Well, if, fast. At the risk of ruining this documentary for everyone, I will say that the, the entire impetus was they wanted to have a business selling these mod boards because they looked and saw that these games would come out and they'd make a bunch of money in the arcades, but it would fall off precipitously because people would get better at the games and spend and spend more time playing on fewer quarters. So they literally, the idea was they came to arcade owners and said, hey, we can mod your games to make them harder and less predictable. Yeah. I mean, cool, that, right? I know, cool. it is cool. a lot of games incorporated that too with like, you know, I remember being little and going and being like, you know, what switch is on for this game? Like how hard do you have this version yeah. of the game? Um, but I really like the the arcade one up uh, countercade. It's, it's, it's nice. It feels good. It plays good. It isn't, it's not too small. I don't know. No. I mean, it's, it sits on a desk, right? So I sit up right. at it. And what I like about Ms. Pac-Man is that it's just the stick, right? It's just the joke. Right. I'm not trying to get, six buttons over there to do street fighter moves. I'm just moving Miss Pac-Man around. Um, and yeah, I think it's the perfect game for that kind of thing where my kids or I, or wife just kind of saddle up to it and you play Miss Pac-Man and then you walk away. It's not while I've been tempted at the TMNT and like the Punisher, when that was on one of them, those style of, of cabinets. And I have fond memories of playing those brawlers and I love brawlers. Um, those games don't work as well, in my opinion, oftentimes, if you're not putting a quarter in, because enough time, you will beat it, right? It, it's just how many cheap shots do you take in a brawler before you get to the end? Whereas Miss Pac-Man and these earlier generation uh, arcade games, it's high score. 
And so I walk up, play for a little bit, walk away, walk up, play for a little bit, walk away. And it's not, oh, I'm going to beat this. Oh, I'm doing the same one level one, one again. And uh, I really, I really like it. It, it doesn't feel like it's top tier parts, <laughs> you know, per se, but for what it is and what I paid for it. And also as like the little display piece that it is in the room, um, it's, it's really nice. So it's the countercade style Miss Pac-Man um, arcade one up. Cool. Speaking of brawlers, I don't know if either of you, it's on Game Pass. I fired up Battletoads, um, which snuck up on me. I like brawlers. I like them a lot. I think I will be talking about Streets of Rage 4 at the end of this year. Um, <laughs> uh, Battletoads is weird, man. As a, One, as like a, I feel like it just kind of came out. I know like, Microsoft teased it like we're bringing them back here. The toads are back. But to me, it it felt like a kind of launch without a lot of fanfare. Maybe it's because I was stuck in my fandom. Uh, (laughs) There were so many other fanfares happening for so many other things, but for an alleged revival of a beloved alleged beloved IP, I feel like it kind of just landed. Um, With that said, I, I, I laughed some. I did not finish it. So I guess I should start with that. I played about two hours and said I'm good, which I guess is is my review in a nutshell. Um, but it's complicated because I did laugh some. It, it's like this weird, it does this thing of minor Ronald Toad spoiler, where it's like, washed up, how do they get along in the real world now kind of thing. Um, but it, it's just breakneck, just breakneck like gag 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 you know like that gag what about this gag we're self-aware did you know we're self-aware the characters aren't self-aware just kidding characters are self-aware gag 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 are you playing a brawler not anymore qte qte here's a 10 minute well-made cartoon gag 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 gag. (laughs) it's so weird it is it is frenetic and it looks better in motion than i think the screenshots give it justice but like I couldn't wrap my head around what it is. So now I'm going to shut up for a little bit and ask both of you, did either of you play this game yet? Nope. I just downloaded it today and now I'm really concerned. (laughs) (laughs) I think you might love it, Jesse. Like I, I read reviews before I started playing it and it's, I saw, you know, nines and I saw fours and I, it's like, I just, I don't know what the game is. And I think maybe that's the point. It feels a little warrior wary to me also. Like I went in to check the controls because I have this weird thing now where like I use back paddles on my Xbox Elite for most games, but not all. And I was like, oh, I wonder how this lays it out. Would I want to use paddles on this? Brawlers, I typically don't. Um, and when you go into controls, it's like, hey, you can look at these if you want, but it's going to spoil the game for you. So go in at your own risk because we change what type of game it is across your whatever. And I was like, oh, weird. Okay, I guess I won't look at the, like looking at the controls as a spoiler. It's just constantly kind of changing itself. But I think to me, what ultimately put me off of it is I didn't enjoy the brawling. It felt overly complex and I never got into a rhythm that I really enjoyed with it but that might also be because <laughs> there wasn't enough of it. Um, yeah, it's such an odd package. When you play it, Jesse, I'll have to see if you stream it or if you get tweets out on it. Cause I am very curious. Um, I have friends who have played it and they love it. Like absolutely love it. 
and then others that bounced off much faster than I did. It's it's a weird product that I feel like, unfortunately, and I haven't played Flight Sim. I do have the two terabytes downloaded on my computer or whatever it is. But Jeff, I texted you about this, I believe. And I, I feel like it's yeah. kind of another thing of Microsoft. Like, I love Game Pass and I like what they're doing for the industry, but I don't think they've had like a zeitgeist flexing game. And I think, unfortunately, Battletoads is another example of that. Yeah, it says something that I, I already own it, you know, with Game Pass. And I, I just, it, I didn't even download it. I just am not really interested. And I, I, Battletoads never had the nostalgia zing for me that it has for others. It really wasn't ever one of those games that I loved, uh, even in its first iteration. But also hearing people go like, this game's a mess and it has all these weird disparate parts that don't seem to fit together. I just went, I got other things. I got a lot of other things I'm very curious about. So I, I haven't even downloaded it yet. I'm, I'm mildly curious and maybe I will download it eventually because literally there's no cost to me other than time. But uh, so far, I'm just not really interested. Yeah, I don't, I'm curious if they would do have any like hardcore Battletoad stands that, you know, listen, I, I, I to me I also didn't have this reverence for it. I played it and you know know it i don't know if i've played i think there are 11 games in the franchise but like as i was playing this one trying to understand what it is i was like oh what what is battletoads like what is that legacy like and i i don't know what it is other than a cheap brawler <laughs> a cheap tmnt nick ripoff right it was like always was hey turtles are, are similar to toads you know i don't know and now it's, it's gonna uh, be super hard yeah yeah, yeah. interesting um, the game that I had on my playlist that is uh, was snuck up on me, which it shouldn't have because I've been anticipating it for literally years now, is Rogue Legacy 2. Uh, all of a sudden was available on Steam in early access, and I had I was just a, was like, is it that time already? Is it August 20, whatever it was? Um, Rogue Legacy, of course, was my game of the year in 2013. I still adore that game. I put lots of hours into it completed it uh i just i adore that game and it really i think was the game that turned me into a roguelite fan i've now seek out games in that genre where before i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like those but rogue legacy is the one that transformed me into a person that digs those games and so i'm super excited about rogue legacy 2 Celador's sequel uh adding all kinds of new stuff so i immediately purchased the game in early access and played a bunch of it and uh again you know rogue legacy is the the gimmick of rogue legacy is a a 2d 2d side scrolling platform action platformer uh where you when you die you become a descendant of the previous character you played and that descendant may or may not have some interesting features some genetic uh variation that is either beneficial or hampering or strange and the person that you play in in subsequent generations uh can really change up how you're experiencing these procedurally generated uh, action platformer levels and and that's really fun and of course you're doing the the roguelite thing which is you are collecting uh gold over time and trying to spend that gold on upgrades and building your castle and getting cooler stuff and becoming more powerful so you can get farther on your runs and get better gold and more cool things and rinse repeat. Uh, so 
Rogue Legacy 2 adds a number of new features, one of which is classes. There are now multiple classes. There's a, a, a ranger class, which is a bow and arrow ranged person. There is a mage, uh, and there is a barbarian. Uh, and so in addition to choosing these, these genetic features uh, on your subsequent runs, you get a, a choice of three characters every time you die. You're, you're respawning, choosing one of three characters. And those characters now can be one of whichever of the classes that you open, unlock by collecting enough gold and buying that thing in your castle. And that variety, I think, is really fun. I, I really enjoyed, particularly enjoyed the Ranger class, which completely changes the game in the sense that you have low HP and you're fighting from a distance and you're really trying to stay away from things and, uh, and, and shoot from long range where Rogue Legacy, the first one was always about leaping at things and, you know, all melee combat. That is very different. The mage is very different. The, I guess my biggest takeaway from Rogue Legacy 2 is that it is seriously an early access game. There's some games where it's, they say early access and it's really pretty complete. This does feel like a game where a lot of features are not in it yet. That didn't stop me from putting a whole lot of hours into this thing because it retains that feeling of, oh, that's a really interesting new choice that I've got of my death. Okay, I'll play one more round. Oh, no, I didn't get very far. I can't end on that. Okay, I'll, I'll play one more round. Oh, well, look, look what I got. Oh, I got enough gold to unlock a cool thing. Okay, I'll play one more round. So it's got that hook that the first one had that made me play more and more. The problem is in this early access state, there's just not enough stuff, not enough things to buy. I bought almost everything in my castle in about four hours of play. There wasn't a lot there yet. And the game itself is much more platformy, much more, um, much more Ori in the Blind Forest than it is, or Ori in the Will of the Wisps than it is the first uh, Rogue Legacy. I mean, it, it, it really asks you, it's, it's kind of got some super meat boy in there, some, uh, uh, you know, N plus it's got, it's got those types of influences where now you're, it's asking you to do these very intricate platforming sequences where you are likely to die. But the difference between like an N plus or a super meat boy or even Ori is when you die in this game, the map completely resets, right? It's procedurally generated. Every time you die, you start over a completely new dungeon that is completely different. So you can't try a platforming section over and over again like you can in those games, trying to perfect it, going, oh, okay, I, I know I can get this. I know I can get this and dying over and over and over again. You die and then that platforming sequence is gone. So it kind of breaks the fun of that because it's just like, well, I missed time to jump and I don't, I, I'm not even really sure what, how I was supposed to do this very intricate sequence. And I tried it one way and that didn't work. And so I guess I don't get to try it anymore. So in that sense, I think that I'm a little worried that they doubled down too much on something that doesn't really fit this format as well as it could. But, but the, there's a new graphic style that gone are the pixels now it's uh, this really beautiful sort of cel-shaded look uh, that I really like. So there's a lot to like in the game. It's really early. I think, you know, they're saying it's at least a year, probably more from a full release. So there's a, lot, there's a roadmap of a lot of new features. Um, so I don't know if I, if I jumped in too soon on Rogue Legacy 2. I've been waiting for that game for six years plus. But 
I don't know if I would recommend it right away for people who are super excited. It has a lot still to be put back into it to make it the full product that its predecessor was. The problem is, Jeff, you're just on a bad run. If you die, it's finished. The game's done. You just haven't got there yet. You know, you're just doing a, a bad run through of the version of the game. Every time you die, you get a wholly different version of early access. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. It has like three worlds. The second world is still under construction, so they don't let you go to the, the second world. It, there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of stuff that it really is an early access game, right? And they're upfront about that. It's not that they're fooling anybody, but it, it's a little depressing when you go, oh, I'm so excited for this game. And then the, the, the curve of achievement isn't fully in place yet. So it's like, well, why am I playing this now? But then I get to an end of a thing and I go, I could play one more. It's very addictive. It's still very addictive. Uh, I also been playing uh, Manifold Garden, which we talked about a little earlier. And well, have either of you guys played this yet? I, oh yes and i shoved it in your face when i had apple arcade and you were like i don't want to play that I'm oh yeah i don't want to play it on apple arcade but on uh on my xbox i'll play it um holy moly that is i mean i love games like portal uh that are kind of melt your brain but this is like melt your brain on a completely different level oh my god it is it's it's a game where you're, you're basically inside an mc escher painting oh. um yeah so and the key mechanic of the game is walk up to any wall and press a button. And now that wall is the floor. So walk up to any surface in the game, press a button and the whole world rotates 90 degrees in the direction that you're facing. And you can do that to the wall on your left, to the wall on your right, to the wall behind you. And so you're trying to get out of rooms by rotating the world enough times and in the right way and in the ways that'll let you unlock doors and go to places. And that that whole idea, that spatial thing where up is down, left is right, cats and dogs living together is it, it, it at a certain point I had to just stop trying to figure it out and just move forward, right? There's no, I don't walk into a room. Like in Portal, I walk into a room and I go, hmm, how do I think I can put the portals? In this game, I walk into a room and go, there's no universe in which I can figure this out. I'm just going to start moving the world around and eventually I will get to a place where I gain a little bit better understanding. But it is totally wacky. I mean, the art style is really cool. It looks like an MC Escher drawing. They're very stark and thin black lines. And then there are crazy things where like you'll walk off the edge of a platform that looks like you're going to die and you fall forever and the falling forever cycles the world. So you'll fall, 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 fall. And then you'll see the point from which you fell come up from underneath you. So you go, oh, I can sort of like in portal where you get into those loops of going through portals. It's sort of like that. But because you're in this like up is down, left is right. The world is a flat circle uh, universe you start manipulating that to your advantage. You're like, oh, I can fall off that and then land where I need to be. It, it's really, really cool, but also just, I have no idea how a person designs a game like this because it, it melted my face. Melted yeah, my it's, face. Beautiful, it's beautiful. And I think, you know, Echo Chrome and certainly other games yeah. played with things uh, like this before. But I think... And maybe there are others that do it in a first person, but for me, it was like that first person perspective of this. You walk into a room 
and this is going to be an this analogy works for me, but it's like, you know, we talked a lot about the last of us too, and how that game has, you see things in other, other perspectives. Okay. Broadly speaking, this game, Manifold Garden, it's like the baggage you bring in with you when you enter a space that this is the floor is astounding because it's like, (laughs) it is not, you walked into a room upside down. You just know that. And you're like, Oh, that makes sense now. But yeah, just absolutely beautiful. But also I would shove my phone away from me and frustrate. Like I just, I can't, I I think I did shove your phone away from me. Uh, yeah, you did just that full uh, arcade. Um, you're playing on Xbox, though. That you said? Yeah, I'm playing on Xbox. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, to me though, it makes you, you bring up Echo Chrome, which is a game I liked, but it makes Echo Chrome seem like a like a play school toy. You know, it's it's and it's not because it's harder. It's just because being in the first person perspective and not being able to like stand back and look at the totality of the world that you're in because you're stuck in that first makes it feel so much more overwhelming and and bewildering and disorienting, you know, and it's like, okay, you walk in this room with this massive geometry in it and then you walk up to a thing and rotate it and you go, Bleh, I don't, okay, I have no idea what, what even anything is anymore. Then um, that massive geometry is like nothing. You know? <laughs> yes. You're yeah. Like, oh, no. What happened? Where did that big, yeah. where'd my reference point go? <laughs> oh, no. I had a whole sequence very early in the game where I thought I had to like rotate my way through this very complex sculpture in the center of the room. And I'm doing it and things are changing color and I'm, it's bizarre. And I'm like, I get to the top of this sculpture, sculpture and I'm like, this got me nowhere closer to getting through the entrance. And I, I spent so much time in the room doing that. I didn't realize that I could have just like grabbed a, a little key block off of the sculpture and walked over to the door and opened it. It was like, I was way overthinking it. And that's why at a certain point I was like, I got to stop trying to think this through and just experiment until it works. You know, it was, but it's a cool game, Manifold Garden. I, I recommend it. Now it's on Switch too. So perfect platform for that. Uh, and then the last game I want to bring up uh, is a game called Spirit Fairer, which is also on Switch, but I'm also playing it on Xbox because it is on Game Pass. And uh, I am very early in Spirit Fairer, but I think I'm falling in love with this game. Uh, it is certainly very charming. Uh, Spirit Fairer is, I think, the closest thing to Animal Crossing that I play, <laughs> that I will love, because I don't really play Animal Crossing. And uh, if I had known Spirit Fair was Animal Crossing, I probably would have turned me off. But maybe I would love Animal Crossing if I gave it a chance because I'm digging this. Um, one of the things I love most about Spirit Fair is that it looks like an animated cartoon. It is absolutely stunning. The art is just beautiful, colorful, vibrant. It looks like a Don Bluth movie or something. Um, and the idea is you are the new Spirit Fairer. You and your cat are the new spirit fairers, which means you have to go and spirit people into the afterlife. And usually that means solving a problem for them. Um, this is a game where you hug people. Uh, I don't believe there's any violence in the game whatsoever, but there's lots of hugs. You are cooking meals for people. You plant crops, you clean things, you prepare stuff, you, uh, you go into people's houses and find recipes. It is uh, it is an action platformer where the action is like collecting beautiful stuff. <laughs> it's not, it's not, there's, no, I mean, maybe later in the game, but there's no, has been no violence whatsoever for me. And I find it very serene. The music is exquisite. 
This is a game that I have loved playing late at night when I just want to unwind from the world. It's a game that doesn't stress you out at all. Like everything you can do in your own time, there's no pressure. You know, even Animal Crossing, from what I understand, has like, well, if you don't do certain things, your crops go bad or whatever. This game doesn't seem to have any of that, at least early on. Uh, It just lets you kind of you're on this boat, you're the spirit fairer, so you're on this boat, and you go from island to island, it's completely open world, you can go to any island you want, you interact with people, you explore these gorgeous, gorgeous animated worlds, vibrant, colorful, you pick berries, and you go fishing, and you you uh, upgrade your your boat, you build buildings on your boat that do certain things, a kitchen, um, a garden, guest housing, and then you help people and you spirit them away to the afterworld, uh, afterlife. And uh, it, it's got lovely writing. The, the The writing is very, I think, very sophisticated and um, well done. Uh, I am really digging Spirit Fair, uh, and I, I I expect to be talking about it for several more weeks because I understand it's a very long game and I'm very early in it. So, Spirit Fair. Christian, did you play this at E3 at all? Because I know it was at E3 a couple of years ago or last year, I think. Not that I remember. I, I, yeah, I don't have any memory of it. But that also, I don't have any memory of like seven months ago anymore. <laughs> so I know, right? Yeah. Is this, a, this is a game I think you would really like. I think your daughters would really like it. It's beautiful. The main character is a girl who has a cat. And um, it is and the, the world. I can't say enough just how pretty a game it is. The animation is lovely it's so fluid and beautiful i mean if you don't touch the controller for a little while you your character starts uh, like playing yo-yo they, you have this magical energy called like the ever gleam or something like the ever light ever light i think it is um anyway and it does all the things you need it to do right you, you are the spirit fairy. you can manipulate this energy to do certain things so like if you want to go and cut down a tree you turn the ever light into a saw And it's one of those old timey saws that has two ends, two handles on each end. And you and your cat saw the thing back and forth. Uh, And so like all the animations for that are just lovely. It's such a charming game. I'm really taken with it. I'm really taken with it. I think, you know, if it, if it retains my attention, like it has out of the gate, I think it's going to be a contender for discussion at the end of the year. It really is that beautiful. That's awesome. My daughter is busy on a let's go Eevee now after finishing sword, her review, which I asked her for. uh, I don't think I've said this before. Pokemon sword is a far superior game, but having Eevee on my head in let's go is super cute. So I love it. (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank our second sponsor now, which is Mac Weldon. I sit here recording this podcast, wearing Mac Weldon underpants wearing Mack Weldon shorts. Uh, I'm not wearing my Mack Weldon polo shirt that I also got, uh, but I am I am literally wearing my Mack Weldon shorts, not because I knew Mack Weldon was sponsoring tonight, but because I almost only ever wear these Mack Weldon shorts because they're about the most comfortable shorts that I have. And in this world I live in now, why wear anything other than the most comfortable shorts uh, all the time? I mean, I, I, I only need about three pairs of things and why not wear my most comfortable Mac Weldon shorts? A uh, Mac Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. And boy, does that hold true. Uh, I 
I wore my wife and I had a very rare date day where we went and had lunch together because uh, we got could get away from the kids. And I wore my Mac Weldon polo shirt. I got a nice, beautiful, bright white polo shirt. Boy, did I feel nice with my mask on, on my polo shirt, wearing my Mac Weldon uh, uh, shorts. It just makes me feel good because, you know, it, 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 it was super high quality. It feels nice. It's comfortable. They have basics like socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polo shirts, four-way active shorts. They have four-way active shorts. I'm sure I only use them two ways, but they are four-way. I don't even know what the other two ways are. Uh, these are the longest-lasting, highest-quality items on the market, and they have smart design and a simple shopping experience. Uh, you know, you get online, as I did, and uh, there's you're not overwhelmed by the number of products. They have like three or four pairs of different shorts, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That fits in my lifestyle. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stress. It's great. So the folks at Mack Weldon have even created their own totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. So level one of this loyalty program gets you free shopping for life. Excuse me, free shipping. Gets you free shipping for life. And then once you reach level two by spending $200, Mac Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. How great is that? So, you like me. Uh, wear comfortable clothes. Get in those Mac Weldons. I certainly love mine. And for 20% off your first order, you can go to MacWeldon.com slash DLC and enter the promo code DLC. So check it out. I think you're going to really like these, uh, the, specifically the shorts, but everything. The, under, the um, boxers that I, I have are great. MacWeldon.com slash DLC and promo code DLC for 20% off. Right now, right now. It's been a while since we carved out any tabletop time on the show, uh, mostly because it's pandemic and it's hard to play board games with people. But I know I've gotten a number of uh, tweets from people saying that they miss us talking about board games. So when I saw that Jesse had been playing a few board games, I definitely wanted to make some tabletop time in the show. Uh, Jesse, what what board game stuff have you played lately? I got to get a shout out to uh, a game called Inhuman Conditions. Yeah. It is a game that uh, is two player. One per Imagine the scene in Blade Runner where you're trying to find out who the replicant is. It's that. Yeah. It's it's that as a game. Uh you are playing against a person. You're an interviewer. Wait, you ha- are you playing against a replicant? <laughs> Pretty much. You one of you uh, is the interviewer, and the other person is either a human, a robot, or an evil robot, like a robot that is definitely going to destroy the world. And so okay. you interview them, and you ask them questions, and you have all sorts of different lists of questions you can choose from, and the robot, oh, maybe a robot, right? Depending on what you choose, has certain objectives. And if you're a good robot, maybe you can't say a certain word, right? Or if you're a bad robot, you have three things you need to do. Like maybe you uh, have to repeat a certain phrase three times. And Mm. it's the interviewer's job to figure out if you are a robot or not and if you are a threatening robot. Like maybe as a robot, one of your 
things that you have to work with is you can only talk about yourself in the third person. And so <laughs> the interviewer has to figure out, is this just a character you're doing or are you a robot? And the goof is you very much always want to be a character, like a weird character when you're being interviewed by this person. So it throws them off. So they really don't know. It's a fascinating <laughs> game. It's super fun. Wow. That sounds really cool. Uh, it's called inhuman conditions. Um, so what's more fun being the interviewer or being the, maybe a robot? Well, the interviewer I think is more challenging and mm. probably more rewarding if you win, but being the human or robot is hilarious because really at the end it's like, Oh, they caught you and you fake got killed and, or, <laughs> Oh, they didn't catch you and you got away. So really it's just, you get to mess with a friend for a little bit. And right. and you just get to, you know, make a character, try your hardest to get whatever objectives you need done. And if you get all of your evil objectives done, you win. And so it's, it's, it has the same vibe of all those games, like uh secret Hitler, the games where you're, yeah. you're lying to friends, right, right? But not as friendship breaking, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Yes. Yes. I thought, yes. <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. I hadn't heard of this game in human conditions. It sounds awesome. Um, it looks like that'd be really fun. And, and something you could probably play over Skype or, or zoom or whatever, you know, you could uh, easily play it remote. So, yeah. And uh, it's, it's fun because it's two players. So people who don't quite get it yet can sit and watch two people who do. And then maybe one person can be the interviewer and then interview people in a row or, you can switch up who is going to be the interviewer. So you can do it with a big group of people and people can watch because it's fun to watch the interaction between. Is that, I actually think it's more fun to watch people try to get one over on each other in the room, especially over drinks. If you're just sitting there having a good time. I think yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. I'm going to check this one out. Inhuman conditions. Uh, anything else that you can plan on the table? I mean, I am a huge tabletop RPG fan. So, uh, Besides D&D things, I've been checking out the uh, Star Wars Fantasy Flight, uh, Galaxy's mm. Edge, lately. Yeah. It's very, very convoluted. <laughs> it's like, oh, we got rid of numbers. We use symbols. And everything is weird symbol-based uh, mathematics. And it's like, I, how does that work? <laughs> it's like, like you could just use numbers. No, yeah. We use numbers because everybody knows them. It's like, no, yeah. that's not Star Wars-y enough. No, no, you're using numbers. You're using like, well, you got uh, four triumphs. And it's like, well, okay, that's four of what though? Four. And you have to go through the whole, it's a lot. It's a lot to learn, but it is fun doing your own Star Wars story and having your friends play along with it. Um, if you ha If I had to give you an example of what it is like, it's like the Bill Burr episode of Mandalorian. Like it's pretty much, <laughs> it's like they played the game and then made that episode of Mandalorian. It's, it's roughly the same. <laughs> it's very fun. Uh, and I think it's, it's something that I probably want to, if you're out there and you're upset with star Wars for whatever reasons, go make your own story. The universe is still there. It's great. Yeah, go get your yeah. friends together and make your own story. Yeah. Great advice. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, I know that you've been doing a lot of stuff on a table lately, especially with your fam, right? Yeah, we've had a part of our table that is just dedicated to puzzles. Um, and so I think I might have talked about these before. I bought a couple of the Mondo. Um, I own too many of their uh, records and posters as well, but some of their puzzles. 
and we're working <laughs> still working on a Captain America uh, puzzle. It is a good quality puzzle, but just, I mean, it's not like what's the hardest puzzle of all time. I think it's something like it's all red and the pieces can go eight ways or something. I don't know. It's, it's not that yeah. not like El Diablo, but there are <laughs> this beautiful um, Mondo, you know, style painting of Captain America standing on rubble with a gray back cloud. And it's like, oh, a third of this is gray clouds. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, one piece goes. There's an in and an out. I don't know, it's it's it has been uh, difficult, but it, it's perfect for the staying home, staying safe. You know, yeah. where I yeah. approach it a lot like I approach Miss Pac-Man. I walk by, stand over the table. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I got one. All right, you got it. The requirement. It, the requirement isn't so much the, having a great puzzle. It's having a table that can be unused for any other purpose <laughs> yeah yes which since we don't have people over uh, yeah. my kids have now officially called the dining room the lego room because we there you go the, the thanksgiving leaf in and so half the table is lego and the other half are puzzles we have that mondo puzzle and then there's a pokemon puzzle that they tear through they do like multiple times per day but yeah it is i mean i don't think they remember what having people over for dinner is like it is lego <laughs> and puzzles only yeah and the next Our, one we have oh go ahead i was gonna ask uh your youngest is five four five seven, seven. oh youngest your young, youngest 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 yes youngest is five yes five yes uh she i, I imagine five is kind of right in the wheelhouse for for puzzles but i was wondering if you had any insight because you know i'm about to have a four-year-old I, i'm curious how young puzzles will go over yeah, I mean, she still likes what I would call like the very simple wooden, you know, puzzle. It's yeah, like right. pieces and it's on a board and fairly simple to do. This Pokemon puzzle, I can send you a picture of this particular one that she loves. It's 100 pieces and, you know, they're larger pieces, but it's what I would call a real puzzle. Um, but it's not a third of it isn't the same shade of gray. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you it's not El Diablo. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she loves it. She really gets into it and, and tears through. She has a, a unicorn one that um, she really enjoys doing as well. But I, I think it's getting them over the hump of frustration. And I think her seeing my wife and I, you know, get frustrated. It's like, oh, you walk away from it. It's <laughs> it's okay. It's not yeah. finish it right now kind of thing. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I have been playing very few uh, tabletop games as of late. It's uh, depressing and sad. But it is true. I have been playing some digital ones, though. Um, there is a new version of Roll for the Galaxy that I don't even think is out yet. I think I got, I got an early code. and I think it comes out, it comes out this week um, on Steam. I may already be out on iOS and Android, but I'm playing it on Steam. And Roll for the Galaxy is uh, fantastic. Uh, fantastic game on, uh, you know, in boxed form. And playing the digital version is has been a lot of fun. It, this is a worker placement dice rolling game where you you roll dice and that counts as your workers and whatever side that faces up lets you put it on certain cards to make them do activities and you're trying to create an empire in the stars. Um, really cool a game that's been around a long time on the table. The digital version is 
very well done. Very, very well done visually. I mean, it, it's vibrant. It, the, the art is spectacular. It looks like the game, but it also has a lot of extra new stuff. Um, you know, great looking dice that roll on the screen, great looking um, environments upon which the components are placed. It, it just looks great. Uh, they did a very, very good job with it. The thing that I always have a hard time judging on digital board games is the AI because it feels good to win. So when you win, you go, I never go, oh, that was too easy. I don't know. I have a hard time judging the AI. You don't ever want the AI to be a cakewalk, but also it feels good to win. So I never know if like, was that a cakewalk? It felt pretty good to win. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I have a hard time judging that stuff, especially in board games like this. So when it has a wide release and you're able to play against other humans, maybe that'll be a better way to judge the game. But functionally, it works great. The The game is fantastic. And I think this version is is rock solid. So uh, Roll for the Galaxy on Steam and iOS and Android. Uh, I get, gets a thumbs up for me. I've been playing it uh, quite, a, quite a bit, actually. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Jesse Cox, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been a delight. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was great. You guys are amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I said it before we uh, started recording, but I, I've been a fan of your stuff for quite a long time, and I'm so glad to have you on. Tell people where they can check out all of the wonderful things you do online. Yeah, uh, over at twitch.tv slash Cox or youtube.com slash Cox or on my square page square square page squarespace page i tried i really did i tried so hard uh, jessecox.com is a place you can go as well i tried i ruined it but i tried for you that's okay that's okay i'm sure you're still wearing your your mac weldons it's on right now <laughs> christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week uh twitter's the best way to keep in touch at spicer um and i'm trying to think if there's anything spe- i don't think i don't you know it's another week man there's stuff that i can't talk about as per usual i feel like right like sometimes with that stuff also i here's what i'm doing this week i'm excited about gamescom like the rest of you so depending on when you are listening to this i'm very excited for that thing and uh it's going to be really fun right yeah gamescom yeah, gamescom. sure very very fun that's me that's my week and then i stream this show, pretty much just this show. I keep telling myself I'll do more, and then I don't. <laughs> On my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. It's usually, we do this show live Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. That's right. Uh, and I'm uh, at Jeff Kanata on Twitter. You can follow me there. Uh, you can also email this show to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your comments or questions or your reviews of games that we haven't covered. Uh, and also, I want to tell you, I'm on that cameo. I started that cameo. So if you would like me to send a message on your behalf to someone, I am available on cameo. It's an app. I think it's also a website, but uh, it's an app that you can download. I, I joined specifically because I do on the slash film cast, which is the movie review podcast. I do, I do limericks for all the movie reviews and uh, I wanted to offer limericks to folks. And uh, I've done, well, I think about 15 of them now, having started about a week ago. And uh, the feedback I've gotten is great. People love the limericks. So I'm there, available for your limerickian needs. Uh, please don't hesitate to hit me up on Cameo if you'd like that. 
Uh, also, um, as I said, the Slash Filmcast is available at slashfilmcast.com. I do a comedy science show with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns. And I also do uh, the Dungeon Run, which is my live action, live action, live action. Yeah, it is. It's people. Uh, long form Dungeons and Dragons playthrough uh, where I'm the Dungeon Master inventing a story for these players. We're having a great time uh, and we have really cool tech. We have this incredible virtual reality tech that we're using to make um, environments. And you have to see the end of last week, the team got to this crazy underground uh, sequence that was completely built in VR. Uh, we'll be doing that all this Wednesday night. Uh, they, they'll be starting there. And uh, the the monsters are pretty awesome as well. So check it out over at The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it uh, as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run. Or you can watch it live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap things up now with our parting gifts. Jesse, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Oh, yeah. This is one that I, I only recently have taken as advice. Hey, get out the house. I know it seems like we shouldn't, and it's scary out there, but uh, wear a mask. Go for a walk. You don't got to be near anybody. It's... uh. As as I spend almost 22 hours a day stuck at home, uh, let me tell you, getting outside and soaking up some sun, do it in the morning. Just like go for a mm. walk, just get it out, get out there and and yeah. try to try to move a little bit uh, because you'll you'll end up like me where it's nighttime and your body's like, we did nothing today, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. definitely it do that. I, I totally, uh, totally second the in the morning part of that because uh, nothing like getting outside in the morning. It, it really does feel good. And if you're in California, like I am, where it's bloody hot right now, uh, the only time it, it, you can go outside and not spontaneously combust is the morning. So it does feel great to like get out there in the morning and kind of just get some fresh air. It's good. Christian Spicer, do you have a parting gift? I certainly do. Uh, there's a new Front Bottoms album, In Sickness and In Flames. It came out on Friday, I believe, is when it came out. And it is absolutely exquisite. I've talked about the Front Bottoms on here, I would have to imagine, several times before. And um, the new album is so very good. And it's perfect listening. It is perfect listening for these, you know, troubling... <laughs> times we live in I, I don't know why i laugh i don't know how else to react uh but yeah it's called the front the front bottoms is the artist the new album in sickness and in flames my parting gift is a documentary that premiered uh, i think last week on apple tv plus it's called boys state and it might be my favorite movie of the year uh it is incredible it's about a uh a yearly thing that happens in texas where a bunch of high school boys go, the American Legion puts it on, and they go and they take over the state capitol and elect a governor and uh, of you know their peers, their seventeen year old, all seventeen year old kids. They take over all facets of the government, pass laws to learn about how government works. And this documentary goes into this specific race for governor, and uh, it is a look inside America, <laughs> really, and how. 
ambition and politics can kind of mess with you even when you're only 17, how the world works right now. It's an inspiring tale of honesty versus dishonesty of, I mean, it is, it's everything. It's everything that's going on right now distilled into these 17 year old kids in Texas. And uh, you'll come away with, from it, wanting to be better, wanting the world to be better, having some hope that the world might be better. Uh, it is, uh, it's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Christian, you have to watch this if you get a chance. Uh, it's called Boys State. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. I think it should be required viewing for every American. It is that good. All right. Uh, we also have a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Carrie. Carrie writes, Hi, Jeff and Christian. You may recall me as the terminal cancer guy from New Zealand who sent a parting gift encouraging others to be geeks in sneaks and perhaps avoid my fate. Cancer doesn't like exercise. My cancer has spread to lungs, lymph nodes, and spine, and consequently my attitude to the preciousness of time has changed dramatically. It made me think hard about the amount of time I was spending in apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and various news apps. I realized that the, the content in these apps is 98% garbage that won't matter tomorrow. I now get summarized news from the Haystack News app as it only takes a few minutes of my time each morning. Time is not money. Time is life. I have removed Facebook and Twitter, etc., from the front page of my phone and added Google Docs. Now when I pick up my phone, I tend to open a document and work on my memoirs which is hugely entertaining for me. It feels like a monumentally better use of my time. Anybody at any age has a story to tell, and any one of your stories is far more valuable than knowing that the idiot politician you disliked yesterday is still an idiot politician today. Finally, you are welcome to follow my cancer videos on YouTube via www fidelma.com slash cancer. That's F-I-D-E-L-M-A dot com slash cancer. They are generally considered to be pretty funny, except for the first couple, which are a little earnest. Cheers, Carrie. Thanks for the email, Carrie. Um, this is extremely good advice, <laughs> it seems to me, and something that perhaps in this context, maybe it will get through to me and others. I also uh, want to tell you, Carrie, if you're listening, that I watched a bunch of your videos at fidelma.com slash cancer. And you're right. Uh, it is very charming. You're very charming and very, uh, very good to watch. I mean, it is um, it's amazing that you're creating this content and doing it with such uh, lightness and uh, joy, even in the face of um, bleak news and um yeah, <laughs> the stuff that you're going through. Uh, but uh, thank you for sending this email. Thanks for helping people. I think this is this is uh, basically an email telling people to face their addictions. Certainly it is an addiction of mine and it one that I benefit from being reminded is not particularly useful in my life. So thanks, Carrie, for that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jesse Cox and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the cool bumpers. We appreciate those. 
Uh, thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us live as we record. We appreciate you as well. And thank you to each and every one of you who download us and listen every week. We're so grateful. And uh, we will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>